Thank you, Lucy, and thank you, Daniel, for, for reading and praying. Uh, please excuse my voice. Hopefully it will survive the next uh, 20, 25 minutes or so, and um, we'll get through this, and, well, hopefully it'll, it'll be, it won't be too bad. Um, let me start off with, with a question as we think about this passage uh, this evening. Uh, what is the proudest moment uh, in your life? And what has been the proudest moment in your life? Maybe it's something like uh, winning something at a prize day, um, possibly getting into university or the school that you're currently at. That's a very proud moment. Maybe it's something uh, like passing your driving test, like after the fifth time for me. Um, it's a proud moment once we, once we finally get that and we are uh, legal to drive on the road. Though, what if I were to ask you the opposite of that question? A very different question indeed. What moment in your life would you gladly erase from existence? A day, a moment, or an event that you wish just never happened. Maybe it's something like sleeping in on an exam and missing that. Maybe it's um, arriving late at an airport and missing an important flight, and we hate that. Maybe it's something like uh, crashing your car or like sort of scraping your car. Uh, maybe it's something like uh, forgetting your, your keys to your uni house and having to walk around Belfast carrying a laundry basket, something crazy like that. Uh, they're just moments and events that we wish just did not happen and we wish we could just erase them. The date was Monday 14th of May 2007. The location was the finest educational establishment in County Armagh and that was Portadown College. It was break time, and as was the custom, myself and a number of others would congregate on the grass bank behind chemistry, overlooking the glorious Kilkemean estate. Though this would be no ordinary break time, for that day was my 15th birthday. And before I knew it, I was being picked up by my friends and being chucked down the grass bank. And my birthday present from my friends was a broken collarbone. What a day that was. I had three weeks of having to sleep upright in bed, which is zero crack. And to top matters off, I had to revise during my recovery at home as exams were just around the corner. Three weeks that really, I wish, didn't happen in my life. Bad things happen. We all know that. Bad things happen. Friends accidentally break your collarbone. Someone crashes into your car. You, you get your wallet stolen. The list could go on. It doesn't take you very long to realize that in your existence on this planet, that it will be filled with moments of trouble, pain, and difficulty. As a living, breathing human being, whether you're, you're good or bad or somewhere in the middle, you will one day suffer and have a tough time of it in your life. So the question bubbling in your mind should be this. And maybe you've asked this before in your mind. Why do we suffer? Why do we go through moments of pain and difficulty? Well, to answer that question, we need to fully understand and what suffering is and how it comes to be in our lives. Now, the very obvious answer to that is by saying we suffer because of our original parents. And it takes us right back to the very beginning. Adam and Eve, despite living in perfection in that place called the Garden of Eden, sinned. And within a moment, our world would, would never be the same. And it's the world that you and I live in. See, sin at that moment came in and infected every fiber 
of every element of our world. And it affects our hearts, means we're sin-cursed and we are, we are torn in our relationship with God, but it affects all of creation as well. But praise God, as we all know, and which we tell every single week here at CE, and God set, devised a plan that would culminate in his son, Jesus Christ, coming 2,000 years ago and to, to save us if, uh, sin-cursed humans like you and I, to offer, to invite us into relationship uh, back with him and to offer forgiveness of our sins. So that's sort of how suffering comes about. And it, it's why it's, it's suffering is a part of our reality here in 2020. But how does it actually enter into our lives? What does it actually look like? Well, there, there's sort of three platforms that I want to sort of present uh, quite briefly that'll help us think more about actually what suffering is. And the first one is, is kind of a difficult one, but it's very, very real, though we would like to not think about it. And the first platform where we see suffering is in demonic forces in our world. Now, we are living in 2020 and we like to think of ourselves as really enlightened and all these sort of like topics and conversations of evil spirits and, and the devil and all like, well, that's just sort of nonsense. We don't really believe in that. But as much as God is real, so is Satan. The devil is real and he hates God even to the degree where many people will be filled by a demonic or, or evil spirits. The devil does not want the best for your life. And, if, and, if you're, and, and listen to this clearly. If you're not a Christian uh, tonight, uh, you are accepting a, a lie from Satan. It's not your wit. It's not your intelligence. It's not your smartness. But it's a lie from Satan to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is presenting excuses that you might sort of categorize as smart or intelligence or putting things off. But no, that is a lie from Satan. And please do not accept that. There's evil forces in our world. That's the first platform. The second platform is we suffer because you and I sin. I sin and you sin. We can self-inflict suffering upon ourselves. Someone, just a few examples, like someone speeding and crashing the car and injuring themselves, and there's consequences with that. Or the person who cheats in an exam and gets caught, and they automatically fail. They have to face a punishment. Or someone sins against you. Maybe somebody lies into your face. Someone starts to bully you or something like that. There's repercussions for our sin in our lives. That's the second platform. The third platform is, and we've already touched upon this, is... Suffering, as, as I've said already, it is because we live in a fallen and broken world. Our world is, is fractured and cursed. Natural disasters happen. Cancer is prevalent. Our world is suffering. And what I want to ask you honestly this evening is this. Are you, are you prepared for suffering? Are you prepared to suffer? Specifically tonight, if you are a follower of, of Jesus, what lens are you gazing through when it comes to the difficulties of, of your life? And with that question in our minds, let's, let's focus on our passage. And we're only going to be looking at a, at a few verses tonight. We're going to only be looking at verses at 12 um, to 14 of the verses that, that Lucy read to us in, in Philippians chapter 1. 
if there, and just a little bit of context, if there's, if there's one word that would summarize this, this small letter that the, the Apostle Paul wrote to this church in Philippi, it would be the word joy. Now, we haven't got so much joy so far. It seems to be all down the dumps, Blake talking about suffering. But this topic of joy permeates right through this little letter. And Paul mentions the words joy, rejoicing, or gladness 19 times in the four chapters of Philippians. Yet the situation that Paul finds himself seems to be the complete opposite of joy. As he's writing these words, this letter to these Christians that he dearly loves, he is in prison. Most likely he's under house arrest in Rome. And he has two very real and possible outcomes ahead of him. First one is this, either he, he will be acquitted and he'll be set free as he's in prison, or the second is this, he will be killed and more than likely he will be beheaded. Difficult, two polar opposites that lay in front of Paul. Yet as we read the words from form this little letter, we get no sense whatsoever that Paul is, you know, vindictively pointing the finger at God and being annoyed and complaining or fretting for his life. So the question that, that should come to our minds at this moment is, is simply how? How can a man who is in prison, unjustly as well, looking death square in the face, be at all joyful? And furthermore, content, as we'll get to the end of the chapter, in his situation. And the answer is actually quite simple. It's all down to Paul's perspective. What Paul wants to teach us through, through God's word tonight is that how you interpret your life depends heavily on what lens you're looking through. Let me say that again. How you interpret your life depends heavily on what lens you're looking through. For Paul, as we read and we see in the, the, these verses, he, he's not a prison prisoner under Roman captivity, but he's a prisoner for Jesus Christ. The reason that he's being placed in prison is not to simply wait for his, his trial, but has served to advance the gospel. See the difference in perspective in the situation and circumstance that he faces? Even though his, his life seems to be imploding all around him, Paul is able to rejoice in all circumstances, as we read in verse 18. And he wants you to be able to do that as well. So let's journey with Paul. Let's look about what is his secret? What's the secret formula? What is his advice that he has to give us? Well, the advice is given at, right at the start in verse 12. Let's read that again. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, I want you to know. It was all down to what he knew. Philippians, and indeed the Bible, is not some sort of shallow self-help book that we will get plenty of in, in Asins and Waterstones that says, you know, just don't worry, you know, live, laugh, love, you know, be your best self. You know, the only way you can love people is by loving yourself. Any of that nonsense and everything will be grand. No, it explains in detail how we can truly be joyful in the face of everything that life throws at us. And that comes from Paul, but more specifically, that comes from God. God wants you to know the truth of his word. See, our, our emotions, our, our feelings, and certainly our circumstances will change. They'll fluctuate, they'll go up and down, they'll go from left to right. But the truth contained in the Bible does not. 
And God wants you to know that in your life tonight. Whenever you're flying high or having the worst day, God does not change. And neither do his promises. See, the Christian life is built on on knowledge and truth. That is the foundation undergirding Christianity. And Paul wants these, these Philippian Christians to know, to know in their minds that what has occurred to him has taken place to advance the good news message of God, the gospel. All his, of his sufferings uh, took place so that more people could hear about Jesus and what Jesus has done for this entire world. And we just pause there for a moment because we just gloss over that really quickly. Paul says that what has happened to me, that, that is just completely undermining what he doesn't focus on what has, has happened. I'll give you some homework. Go and read 2 Corinthians 11, 24 to 29 and read about what this man went through. This wasn't sort of like Paul having a bad hair day or sleeping in or sleeping through his alarm clock. This man went through so, so much And all that took place was so that more people would hear God's good news message. We read elsewhere that that Paul was was desperate to get to Rome to share the gospel. Why? Well, well, Rome was sort of the the epicenter of the the ancient world 2,000 years ago. It was where culture and modern trends were, were cultivated. So if Paul could just get to Rome... If he could just get to to basically the center of the universe and to begin to share the gospel, then the possibilities would be endless. Paul was eager to get there. And I'm sure Paul envisioned that he would travel and he would preach in Rome as, as a free man and be able to do this. But we've already discussed and we already know that Paul arrives in Rome in chains. But this is exactly what God was intending as Paul would, would share the gospel with, with the guards, he'd be chained with, with four guards who would take turns with him each day. And investigations were carried out for, for Paul's trial about Christianity. Slowly, day after day, the gospel was starting to spread throughout Rome. The gospel was in, right in the middle of the Roman government. And slowly it would transform the major powerhouse of the world, that within 300 years, Rome and indeed the world would actually convert to Christianity. In a, in a bleak and what seemed like a, a hopeless situation for Paul, God was using the suffering of just, just one man to bring about his, his glorious, glorious purposes. And we should be very thankful for that because if it wasn't for that, we would not be sitting here this evening. Let's read verse 14 again. It's on the screen. And because of, of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. See, the suffering of others has the possibility to encourage, or better put, embolden other Christians. Fellow Christians were were able to, and specifically the Philippians here, were able to look at Paul's attitudes uh, and his witness as he endured imprisonment um, for the sake of Jesus. And they themselves were were strengthened. They were made courageous in their faith of and in Jesus. 
See, Paul was the leading figure of the church. He was sort of like the head honcho. He was the sort of main missionary guru going place to place. And even in this moment, Paul was able to remain faithful to Jesus and his mission in spite of his circumstances. Nothing was going to detract or get in the way of Paul's ultimate goal of telling person after person after person after person about Jesus. Jesus had transformed his life dramatically and incredibly, and Paul wanted that to be a reality in so many more. For the, for the rest of our time um, tonight, we're, we're going to simply um, park all of that, and we're going to just look at some application and what this has to teach us um, tonight. And, and these verses teach us, these, just these few verses, uh, teach us some very important lessons about, about suffering, about pain, difficulty, about just tragedies that we just cannot even begin to, to comprehend both far and wide. And the first thing I want to say to all of you tonight is this, is that suffering matters and it has a purpose. And that might be difficult for some of you to hear, but that, that is the truth. See, God in his grace can use what seems like dead ends and difficulties to bring about opportunities to bring about his divine purposes. See, often we think about, about pain and suffering and we think of it as, as a barrier. We think of it as something that stops us from fully enjoying life. We see it purely as something negative and bad that's going to hamper us. And even more regrettably, and we see throughout our, our world and in particular quarters and so unfortunately within various um, um, sort of churches and, and Christian pastors, and we hear this sort of idea that the reason that you are suffering is because you, you don't have enough faith in God. And that, that is totally wrong. Now, certainly I do want to say that suffering can raise its head because of our sin, as I've made clear earlier. We, we, can, we endure the consequences because of our, of our, our poor decisions, decisions that dishonor God, and we, we face punishment over that, and we have to sort of like make our bed and, and lie in it ultimately. But the events of our lives, whether they're good or bad, are never coincidental. We don't have just random moments of life. There is meaning staring within all of our moments in life. So let me encourage you to think deeper about, about your suffering tonight. So what lens do you look through as, 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 we, as we gaze at, at the plight in our lives, as we look at our, our surrounding world? Um, what is sort of the lens? What, are, what is our perspective once we look and as we consider those things? Well, Paul wants to encourage the Christian, he wants to encourage everyone, Christian and non-Christian, to fix their eyes on Jesus as they suffer. So let me suggest some, some, some positive returns of suffering, which seems like a bit of an oxymoron, a contradiction in terms. We could have put it like this. Let me suggest the grace God offers in the midst of suffering. This is the first one. As we suffer, gospel opportunities arise. When we face hardship, we can be placed in settings and locations that ultimately we did not want to be in. And there we meet people 
who desperately need the gospel. And if it wasn't for our, our difficulty, we wouldn't be in those positions to talk to them. Just consider the example of, of the Apostle Paul tonight. He didn't want to be imprisoned. I'm sure if he had been given the, the option, he didn't want to be there. But that's where he was. And there was an opportunity for him to share the gospel to prison guard after prison guard, who I'm sure was just sick to the teeth of him talking about this guy, Jesus, time and time again. But that was the opportunity that, that, that God had placed before him. And that teaches us something very valuable. When difficult times arrive, often we can sort of like put our arms crossed and sort of shrug our shoulders and start to moan and complain. And yet, in those moments, there is opportunity after opportunity. There is human being after human being that needs the gospel. And sometimes we miss those opportunities because we're so fixated on moaning and saying, woe is me. And there's people there that need to hear about Jesus and we miss. As we suffer, gospel opportunities arise. The second thing is this, suffering can be a great reminder. When we feel pain, we are reminded that we, we are not strong. We are weak and frail, says the man with the broken voice. I'm reminded of that all again. I'm not the strongest person in the world. I'm not perfect. I'm not complete. And, and neither of you. And suffering has a, has a very unique way of humbling us. It has a very unique way of, of bringing us to our knees and just saying, I don't have this all sorted. Do you know what? I'm not the self-sovereign of my life that I normally like to think I am, but I need outside help. And suffering encourages us to trust in God and look to him for strength. The fact that we, we live in a broken world often just makes us long for something more. It makes us look for answers. It makes us look for a solution. And for, 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 for Christians tonight, as we suffer, ultimately it should make us homesick for heaven. As we're reminded of a, of a day that we will go where there will be no suffering at all. As we suffer, gospel opportunities arise. Suffering can be a great reminder. It can humble us. And the third thing is this. Suffering can encourage others as we've just been considering in verse 14. We look at the, the history of, of Christianity, and I don't know if you've ever looked at that, maybe considered it a little bit in, in RE, and how it has spread across the world. And, and the breakthrough moments of Christianity have always arisen out of pain and suffering, as we've just looked at with Paul um, as sort of the prime example. We hear stories of, of a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I don't know if you've heard Dietrich Bonhoeffer before. He was a German pastor uh, during uh, the Nazi regime uh, under Adolf Hitler. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, decided to, to flee Germany just before World War II. And he went to the States, went to America. But he was under so much conviction for, for his people, for his, for his land, and for the evil that was rising up within his, his country, that he decided to, to return. He took the very last boat um, from, from, from America back to mainland Europe that was going as World War II was starting. And he returned and he stood up to the Nazi regime and he would preach Sunday after Sunday against uh, Nazism. And as a result of his opposition, he would face 
he would endure the ultimate uh, penalty. 21 days um, before, um, before um, World War II would end, he was um, in a concentration camp and he would be hung for his opposition to evil. He set an example that stands the test of time and many Christians stood with him as they opposed the evil engulfing their country. See, in your pain, in your difficulty, in your suffering, you might not know or even realize who you are encouraging in, your, in, in, your, in their faith. Often once we suffer, we become very insular and we think about ourselves. And there's an element that, that is fair and understandable, but we need to think about what is happening in and around us as we think of other people as they're watching us and the witness that is, that is creating to other people. That once difficulty arises, we say we're Christians, we love Jesus on the good days, but do we love him the same on the bad days as well? You don't know who you're encouraging once you're going through difficult times. But I want to encourage you tonight to, to embrace a broader and, a, and a, just a greater perspective as we think about suffering. Not that you would you know, become a sadist and sort of start looking for pain and grief, but that you'd be able to know why suffering exists and how good can, can come from it. It's like the number one question everyone has in our world. Why does evil still permeate our culture? even though we're becoming supposedly more human, more civilized, greatest medical facilities, greatest research, technological, communication advances than any time in history, yet still natural disasters happen. Still we see the atrocities that are taking place in places like Iran and even in our own country, even in, in our own town, just two days ago, someone being murdered. Why do these things still affect us? I want to say one more thing about suffering as we, as we come to a close this evening. And it's something that is very important that we need to grasp. And, and it's this, suffer, in your suffering, and, and I should say this, if, you, if, if life has been great and it's been breezy for you, that, that well and good, but not, not to be sort of like a bit of a depressed person here and sort of be doom and gloom. These days will come eventually. Like one day everyone will, will stand around a graveside and bury a loved one. One day like someone close to you will, will get a terminal illness. One day like you're not going to get all your hopes and dreams fulfilled. And that's just the reality of, of life. And it's better you hear in this now than for when it actually comes and hits you like a ton of bricks. But maybe some of you actually are suffering. Maybe you've struggled. Maybe like you, you've known the, the divorce of, of your mum and dad difficult things that are going on in your life and things that actually maybe many people, even your closest friends, don't, don't know about. But I want to say this, suffering, and hear this clearly and graciously, is never evidence that God has abandoned you or is not actively working in your life. See, in these verses, Paul is not saying that God brings pain and heartache into your life to see if you're really a Christian or not, to see if you, you'll really tell people about Jesus. No, God is not the author of suffering and evil. Let me share a quote from an American pastor. He says this, All suffering, regardless of where it falls, whether it be the brokenness of the world, whether it be our rebellion against God or another rebellion against, or even demonic means, 
where it is seeking to devour or destroy us, all ultimately serve the purposes of God. How thorough is your victory when the moves of your enemies serves your purposes? Just think about the totality of victory that God has over sin and death and the demonic realm, that even their activity, their attempts to dismantle, to oppress and break simply when all is said and done serves the purposes of God for us. So that God does not cause, but enslaves and uses all suffering for his glory and our joy. How can we believe that? How can we know that to be true? To take God at his word? Well, we can do that because he himself has personally demonstrated to us. As you consider the why and how of your suffering, always have in your mind's eye the most significant moment of suffering that has ever taken place on this planet. Every time life hurts and knocks you down, remind yourself of the Son of God at the cross. I want you, in those moments, I want you to, to look at your suffering, and every time you look and consider your suffering, I want you to take one look at the cross of Jesus Christ. As Jesus Christ, the only perfect human being who left the, the glory of heaven, the, the only place without suffering, and he came to this, this fallen and cursed world with a divine plan. We read in Isaiah 53 words that he was despised, he was rejected. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was, he, was, he was born of our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. He was stricken, smitten by God. He was afflicted, pierced for our transgressions, really our sins, crushed for our iniquities. Why? Because upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. This is your Savior. This is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that would suffer the agony of the cross. It was the very reason he came to earth. He carried our sin, carried the just wrath of God that you and I deserved on that tree 2,000 years ago so that you and I would not have to spend an eternity suffering outside of the presence of God. As we are torn, broken, and we're bruised by this world, it all serves us, serves as a reminder that one day, one day, for the Christian, there will be no more. There'll be no pain. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no suffering. Just perfect rest with your Savior, Jesus Christ. So what lens are you gazing through when it comes to the difficulties of life? As we close, consider these three questions. And when suffering arises, or maybe as you're in the midst of suffering, think about these three questions. What is God teaching me? What sinful habit is God trying to remove from me? And thirdly, what gospel opportunities are presenting themselves to me? Suffering has meaning. Would we be alert to see how God and his mercy is using it to bring about his divine purposes for his glory, but also for our good. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for, for your goodness to us. 
Lord, you have been so good and kind to us. And we thank you for your word as we've considered it this evening. Lord, we thank you that you're the God that in spite of, of, of our pain and our suffering, you can use those to, to mold us, to make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we, we can grasp and understand why suffering exists, why it originates, and why we're, that we can find meaning and purpose in the most difficult times of our lives. Lord, I pray for, for each person in, in this room that who truly is suffering, who is going through difficult times. Lord, would you reveal your grace to them? Lord, for, for those of us who are just having a great time at the moment, Lord, would we look out for other people who may be suffering? Would we look out for our friends, that we would encourage them, speak to them, lift them up? Lord, would we be mindful that maybe one day these days may come to us as well, and they would knock on our doors? Lord, would we be prepared to gaze through the proper lens we would have the right perspective, Lord, that we would be focused and fixed on Jesus. Thank you for his suffering on the cross. It saves us from our sins. That's in his name we pray. Amen. Please stand and we'll worship God again.